thanks everyone for tuning in to the second producer studio series of the Scorgy Productions Discord. You gotta stop wiping the table there. Oh, the Mike's gonna pick up lots everything. Of noise, eh? <laughs> I'm sitting here with Adam Scorgy. What's that Macbeth reference? Out blood spot or something. Oh, yeah. And that's director Michael <laughs> Hamilton, who, uh, who came in with a hot intro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hammy here is our director of multiple films. This is uh, Bisbing was our second film together. We did uh, Donovan Bailey, and, and currently he's directing Jordan Tutu's documentary. So yes, sir. we'll have to do a session with uh, Toots once uh, once we get a little farther into production as well. Um, but Hammy, do you want to give yourself a, a quick intro? Um, yeah, no, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Super excited to join the Discord and uh, you know share a little bit about Bisbing. Uh, I think, like Shane said, uh, it's this is uh, film number. Two in the three film realm that Scorgy Productions. <coughs> three beat the trilogy. It's <laughs> the rubber match. Hopefully there'll be more. But uh, yeah, no, I've um, film director. Uh, been doing it for many years, and uh, you know, had the pleasure of working with some pretty phenomenal um, talent and and crew. And uh, by far, this Bisbing film has been one of the most enjoyable and the most productive. Uh, thus far and so I'm super thrilled and honored to be here and uh, can't wait to to share the film with everyone that's hopefully waiting to see it so so we're in Manchester UK right now that's where the official world premiere is going to be um, at the Manchester Film Festival I don't know is is that film festival big yeah I mean it's it's if you look at the they do a lot of European films right so I don't see a lot of North American films there but it's a big one that Universal had set up for there. I've never, I've only ever, uh, the only other one is like Rain Dance here in the UK mm-hmm. that any of my previous films have been a, a part of. So awesome to be, we're part of the Wonder Woman, their opening night gala films tomorrow, which is cool. And, you know, just to be able to, I was saying like, we've all seen the film a hundred times. You've probably seen it 10,000. Yeah. But to watch it with an audience, uh, you know, especially a UK audience, like, it's going to be an entirely new experience for, and it's cool because my wife has actually not seen it yet. There's many times we we're going to watch it on Super Channel and stuff and didn't. And she's like, I'm actually really glad that now I'm going to get to see it like in person yeah. with an audience and then Bisbing doing the Q&A afterwards, yeah. right? Oh, oh, by the way, uh, I had a chat with Universal and I convinced them to play the three-hour rough cut. This is <laughs> the three-hour rough cut. <laughs> <laughs> You're pulling the Billy Walsh, yeah. eh? Yeah. Oh, guys, I totally re-edited the film, just so you know, and we're going to go here. So it's Meta Eden. Down. Everyone go to the restroom, get a snack, and just three and a half hours. So that reference, Eric... Hammy, when he's working through his process on this, was like, okay, guys, I got a rough cut. We want you guys to see it. We'll work through we'll work notes. We're like, cool, we're excited. And then he's like, it's just over three hours. And we're like, I'm like, well, we're going to have to bring that down. He's like, just watch it. So then we were all sitting there that day and we're like, knew there was a great thing in there, but we're like, wow, that is long. And then and then he's like, should we send that to Biz? I'm like, fuck no. Because like, he's going to be like, dude, my movie's a fucking series, right? <laughs> oh, so it's a series now. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. We got more money then. But, it, but it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, that's the story. Like, it, it, his, Bisbing's story is so vast. And encompassing, right? Like he's he's led a full life, and he's obviously still living his life. But to narrow it down, to pick the best moments, you know, was it was tough. That was the hardest thing about making this film. So for me, it was all my creative flow is always just like, 
almost like verbally vomit, you know, creatively vomit on the editing machine. Like the rough cut. Like the rough cut. <laughs> and uh, then go back and like yeah. just kind of weed it out from there. But there's well, so many good elements. Of oh, this. there's even now it's been interesting. Well, you, you've been doing the media. I haven't been doing it, but I've been just reading where like I'm really excited to see there. And few, few of the movie reviewers I know are like, holy shit, Adam, you guys have made. Like I know four or five guys in the MMA world have been like, Okay, I've reviewed a lot of MMA films. This one is the best that is out there. So I'm excited for it. And it, and it comes down to, you know, Hammy, the, you and the team did a great job, but Bisping just has that story. And that's what, in the media, was so interesting to read. Several articles said a similar thing. He went from being one of the most hated villains yeah. in MMA history to being one of the absolute darlings of the sport now as a broadcaster. And like, he's one of the few. I would say that is more popular now that he's retired because he's always sharing his family life with yeah. the kids and he's always this commentator. He makes fun of himself. Like even when he was on Rogan last week or whatever, everybody was saying that was one of the best Rogan episodes in like the last couple months because they'd been getting too political and just yeah. have Bisbing yeah. on there shooting the shit. We forget how funny he is. It's so Dude, funny. Like, you know, we, I haven't seen him in probably a year and a half yeah. and I had that, I had that podcast on when I was working out and Kim was in the gym with me and I was just bursting out laughing and she looks at me like, cause I had my headphones and she's like, what, what, what's so funny I'm like oh it's Biz being on the podcast yeah. right yeah when he's like ah oh, I fucking have night terrors and I'm naked and I'm yeah. running over him ah. and, and he does that laugh he's like ah and like, <laughs> I was doing the same thing I was fucking howling well, well that's the thing right I think with with the story and Biz being himself like so even the head of the game even as a sports figure and a, and a guy like Biz he's already got a baked in falling either you love him or you hate him, right? Mm -hmm. As a fighter, yeah, because that's it's it's kind of like that's how polarizing it, yeah. it is, right? And I think that's the cool thing about this movie, and I think that's always been the goal. And our goal is to show Bisbing in a light that no one really knows about. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Agreed, so, yeah. like you said, Shane, and you said Adam, like he's funny. Like he's one of the most personable guys yeah, I've worked he's with. Fucking hilarious, and you know, doing films like he's he's witty, he's affable. I forget who was it that's I think it was it might have been Pollyanna that said like you could have literally just let him talk for an hour and a half telling yeah. stories when, when, and, and people would have watched it yeah yeah, yeah. well well Hammy even some of the cuts you went to when we had to for fair use right to not bore the audience and how fair use works but a lot of times like you're struggling to if we want to use like news footage and stuff like that for those that are listening you have to have something original that we've shot with either voice recording or video to explain what we're going to use in the news footage. And with UFC and stuff, they're very sensitive in their brand. We had to be very careful of that stuff. So when doing that, the nice thing about Bisming is we're like, just go to Biz, right? Just go to him yeah. walking in Clitheroe. Just go to yeah. him telling stories because you've got, whereas a lot of other athletes we work with, you know, they don't have that. They can't carry things 100%. that way. You can't just leave them where you're like, man, I need cuts here because they can't carry it. Well, and yeah, and they just don't. I, I put a tweet out like that where because somebody somebody said it pretty nice on Twitter to Bisbing. They watched the trailer and, like, and they've been be, become a huge fan of Bisbing now that he's retired. And they're like, man, I think it's only the start for Bisbing. I think he's only going to get more and more popular. And I wrote back and said, he is hands down. You can have your favorite other champions. I'm a big GSP fan. I'm a big MMA fan. But as far as like charismatic, witty, 
personable, like I would say he is the best champion the UFC has ever seen for all those elements. There's other great champions, but all of, not nearly of them are as funny or mm-hmm. as witty or don't have the personality or they're quiet. I mean, like yeah, Daniel yeah. Cormier is kind of a great example. Great champion, really nice guy, but for whatever reason, he can never win over the crowds, right? right? Like he just, yeah. people didn't connect with him. Because <clears throat> I think that's the thing too. <laughs> for Biss, he was a great fighter. Yeah. But he was also a great showman, mm-hmm. which you need to be. And I know it's not WWE or anything, but it's you're selling your brand, right? Dude, you sell fights. And the other guy I would give credit to, and I'm not comparing them as the same because I'm, I'm sure they're sick of hearing it. I'm sure people are sick of hearing it, but, you know, Conor McGregor does a great job yeah. with his brand. He's yes. a great fighter, yeah, too. Yeah. But Bisping, it's something different with that guy. Like, he's a great fighter. He promotes his brand. But then there's that charismatic yeah. element that... Connor, I don't think we were talking about this. We yeah. think it's like self, almost like just straight up self-deprecation, yeah. and mm. like and humility to a degree, right? Like he's braggadocious, but at the end of the day, he you know he's not like I am the best, I am yeah. God. Like whereas Connor is like whether he's delusional or whether it's all an act, it's he legitimately calls himself the best in the world, and and he's got no doubt in himself, which you need to have. But Bisping has that relatability. Right. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, you see a little bit of like we all have imposter syndrome to a certain degree, yeah, right? When yeah. you reach certain levels of success, you're like that you haven't been to before. You're like, do I, this is new. Do I deserve to be here? Right? Yeah. Bisbing seemed to be very cognizant cognizant of that his whole career. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I, well, and he's the ultimate. Like, I know we say this, but when people see the film tomorrow, they're going to truly see it. Like. We all grew up loving and idolizing the Rocky movies, right? Because you can connect with that as a guy that went for his dreams and maybe didn't have all the best elements, but just pure heart got him there. And it gives like anyone that hope of, if I put in the work and I just have the heart and determination I can get there. Bisping is that real life guy. Like like he even says in the trailer, he says, like, he's like, I was said I wasn't strong enough, wasn't quick enough, wasn't skilled enough, just wasn't the guy. Like it wasn't going to happen. And even when you watch the, which we all have in the film, the press conference after, like Rockwell still says, you got lucky. And then Bisping's like, are you fucking kidding me? I just knocked you out in the first round. Like, that's not luck, right? Like, that takes skill. He was always the underdog that, and I know, and I've told Bisping this, and it, I can't believe it now that we're friends and I fucking love the guy. But when Lauren and I originally watched The Ultimate Fighter Season 3, that he won, Lauren and I rooted against him the whole time because he was like the cocky Brit. We're like, oh my God, hope this guy kicks his ass. Hope this guy. But Biz always, like, he beat the guy, beat the guy. Always conditioning and heart. Like, he'd get lined up. Even back to the ultimate fighter, you're like, oh, this guy's going to kill him. And he'd come out swinging, and, but Biz just doesn't. Like, the longer you go into deep water with Bizming is always the problem. Like with Anderson Silva, Dan Henderson, all those guys that he had those great bouts with at the end of his career. The longer it went, you knew you gave the advantage to Bisbing because yeah. most people, and that's, and I, and I think that's probably another thing. If you're looking as just a pure fight fan, I, I was heavily into watching Connor, but when you put Connor in a deep water, every time he's gone to deep water, he's lost. Yeah. Right? He cannot, he's a great knockout artist. And if he doesn't get you quickly, though, he gets, whereas Bisbing is the guy you count him out. Two weeks' notice for the title, you know, and then as we reveal in the film, spoiler alert. He's got one fucking eye. He's got no depth perception, right? Like he's he did it all that and that makes it like his story is. I'm you can hear it in my voice. I'm so fucking excited for people yeah. to see this tomorrow because no I, I I I know from you did the media and people were saying and even the the festivals like oh we had to bump this up to a bigger screen we didn't yeah. know it would be this popular yeah, we're kind of yeah. like ah uh, yeah yeah don't count out biz yeah don't count out biz well, it's funny too because. You know, Biz, 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 he never, 
he never started this because, and I, obviously I, I can't speak exactly for him, but what I know of him now, and I, you know, I can pretty confidently say he never started this for the money, the fame, and it was always for a better life. It was always for a better life for his for family. Yeah. And you can't go wrong when that's your, your, your focus. There's an old adage, there's an old adage of uh, uh, necessity sharpens the intellect. And you can kind of use that, you can kind of use that uh, with Bisping. Like he had no other choice, right? He had, he had no other choice. No. This was it. You know, this is all I know, this is all I can do to kind of help me and my family get out of the situation. So you're always going to win when that's your motive. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to being doing it for money or fame, which well, and is that's bleeding. And that's some that's that's such a great point. And I think that's another thing if we're comparing him and Connor, right? That is something is Connor now seems to be advertising his family, but now it seems like secondary compared to it was right. him before, right? Yeah. Whereas Bisbang, it was always and Hammy, that's a part I gotta give you a pat on the back that I love the way that you see the Bisbing family grow up as you get to know Bisbing in his quest because they're always there. Like you see Ellie, Lucas, and Callum all the way through. You even have like when Callum was, or when Lucas was born, born yeah. and like, and you see it. You see little Callum like hugging his dad, yeah. and later he's like a grown man, and like it's it's cool to, that element. And I know Bisbing loved it too, but even for me, I was like, dude, when you want a guy says, oh, I do it all for my family, but then you don't see the family, you're kind of like, do you really do it all for yeah. your family? Yeah. yeah. But with Bisbing, you saw like, you know, even the ultimate fighter, Rebecca's right there, right? And then yeah. right after that, like Ellie and Callum, they're always there at his big fights, even like win or lose, even ones he got hurt really bad, you know? So it was, it's, um, that's where I think I've, I've seen a lot of reviewers and stuff that they got the early screeners of saying, wasn't expecting to be this emotional, right? Because yeah. you think a fighting doc, you're like, oh, it's yeah. not going to be emotional. It's going right? to be a lot of t testosterone yeah. and just pure bravado and stuff. But you see a sensitive side to him, right? You see that like family guy, family man side of it, right? And that's you know, I, when I was doing all the, the media the other day, you know, it was a lot of the, the question that kept coming up was, what do you hope people get out of this film? Yeah, and it was a it was a immediate answer like I want people to see another side of Bisping that they don't know because listen we're all sports fans and regardless of what team or what athlete you like all you generally see is the start of the game start of the fight to the post interview of the match or yeah, fight yeah. or whatever you don't see anything after that yeah. and that's what you base your your passion for that's what you that's what you base your like or your dislike for for the film, I want people to see the other side of Bisbee, the yeah. caring guy, yeah. the guy who would die and, and fight to the death for his family. The witty, uh, the, the funny witty, game. the affable guy yeah. that no one gets to see. And I yeah. think that's going to win a lot of people over that may not have liked him in the past. Well, that's 99% of being a fighter. It's the, the times at home, the times in the gym, the driving to and from the gym, the self-doubt after a loss, right? Like building up to a fight. like. You don't you see that a little bit with the UFC now, like they're doing the lead up to the fight where yeah. they follow them for a week or whatever. But you, you know you're missing ninety to ninety five percent of that. Yeah. So Hammy, I'm interested. Um, how did it like? What was your exposure to MMA and like Bisbing before the project came up? And then I want to know like what your thoughts were towards him, like as the process evolved from from the time we got the project to the time uh, you started doing the research, to the time like you actually sat down for those that first interview. How, how did your perceptions and thinking change about him? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's funny. I think I told you, Adam. Yeah. I was originally... <laughs> it's funny. I was originally 
I met with uh, Bisbee's manager, um, uh, Adi. Uh, Adi. 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 Be- before, like before we even had this conversation, because uh, you know we were like, hey, we should maybe try to do something with Conor <laughs> <laughs> You <Yeah>. sell out. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Biz. <laughs> you know, okay, and then uh, and it's funny in that meeting. Yeah. You know, Connor's very busy, and you know we got a lot of stuff going on, and. Et cetera, et cetera, but we'll keep that in mind. But we have a we represent another fighter, you know, Michael Bisming, who's got one eye. And I'm like, holy shit, really? Yeah. And I didn't know anything about him. I heard a little bit about him, but I didn't know to the you know the depth of you know the eye injury or yeah. anything. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, it sounds good. And then you know, just kind of ne- nothing ever happened from there. And then fast forward, I don't know how long it might have been about three, four months. Five months, the new approached me and said, Hey, yeah. we got this film about this fighter. His name's Michael Bisbee. I'm like, Are you kidding? <laughs> the guy with one eye? Yeah. And then at that point, I, I don't think I knew. I was an MMA fan. Mm-hmm. I watched UFC fights, but I wasn't like a, a UFC geek or I didn't know like stats and I didn't know everything about it. Yeah. Um, so when you approached me, Adam, I was kind of like, no, like I don't know if this is the right film for me, and I don't, what can I add to this? And right. and you were like, just Hammy, just let's meet him in LA, have a meeting, and then go from there and see what you think. And then we where we met him in LA. That's a whole another story. That's a whole other story, which maybe we won't get into. But, uh, um, let's just say it was West Hollywood. There was lots of tight jean shorts and, and tank tops on all the fellas around there. And, it was a questionable choice of, of restaurant for the first meeting. Yeah, I'm sure he's like... Oh no, God. he made a comment. He was kind of like, ah, did you guys, uh, this is where you wanted to pick it? He's like, I'll meet you guys wherever. And we're like, we just wanted something central. He's like, hey, I'm good with whatever. But he's like, uh, you guys picked an interesting spot. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, we had a good chuckle about that. But um, yeah, no, it was in that meeting. He talked, we talked for about two hours. Yeah. I have that recorded still. And you have that recorded, yeah. right? And that cemented it. Yeah. A- after that meeting, I said to Adam, I have to direct yeah. this film. I remember having this excited. He's like, holy, this guy's got... Because you just could see right away, like, he had the charisma. He was funny. He was witty. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were only supposed to meet for an hour. It went, like, two hours. And we, like, left yeah. there and even met up later. Like, we hung out. Like, it was... There's a connection right away. And did then... You, Hammy, did you almost find that, like... Not that you were an outsider to the MMA world, but just not being an in-depth kind of like diehard fan. Did you find that gave you a better perspective because it forced you to kind of learn the stuff that that maybe some true like deep fans would have taken for granted? I mean, I think so. Yeah, probably a little bit. But you know, when I whenever I do any film, I always like to try to bring a, a unique kind of perspective or narrative to the project. Um, but yeah, I think being kind of a an outsider, mm-hmm. so to speak, kind of lended a little bit more of a, you know, hopefully a fresher look. Because mm-hmm. I think there's more to the story than the the actual fighting. I think we all agree, right? This is a human. Oh story. yeah, yeah. Anybody that's a human being is gonna connect to the story. Well, hasn't that even with the press you've done like a lot of the people? Because there's some unusual. I know even from Universal's messages that even they're kind of shocked at some of the people that picked it up right some of the people outside of the fighting world have been picked up the media yeah, stuff yeah like I did right? a bunch of press of just you know straight up you know kind of movie yeah. uh, reporters but I was actually more nervous with the true die hard MMA kind of reporter <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. like I thought maybe like uh, in what year yeah. did I'm like fuck I don't fucking know like 
But uh, it was they, actually a TKO. Not yeah, a TKO, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I was in, it actually made me feel better hearing from those guys how much the film touched them. Yeah. And you know what a great job that we did on this film to kind of portray this guy in this light. Yeah. yeah. That made it worth the while hearing from these true MMA kind of uh guys that report. No, that, that part's always awesome. And that's what I said. I saw a few of those guys on Twitter that were like, man, I got to see an early screening of Bisbing. Like, holy cow. They're like, I know I'm biased because I'm a Brit or I'm a bit. They're like, but this is the MMA film. Like, what an incredible story. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. And So, from, from a filmmaking perspective, like, what was the approach you took in terms of, um, like, style and feel? Like, I know you wanted to kind of capture a bit of, like, what was going on in the UK at that time. Like, what were sort of your, your motifs or inspirations that you, that you touched on? Well, I mean, not that, you know, I bit anybody's style, but I'm a big, I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan. And, you know, the films that he's made. And because of, you know, obviously, Bisbing is from England and Clifford, I wanted to kind of, do justice to that sort of storytelling because I always find like you know movies that are made that are indigenous to the UK they're pretty fucking cool then they're made well uh, you know it's written well and it's always witty yeah yeah so I wanted to make sure that we stay true to that kind of flavor because of who Bisbing is and where he comes from and make sure 100% it's he's witty and it's it's got comedic elements and just kind of, you know, fun fun elements but also telling a story that's accurate but also mainly entertaining. So, I think just kind of hopefully we stay true to that and uh, you know, by using uh, some cool moments definitely from Biz. And I I didn't want it to be like you know, there's certain docs, right, that, that can either be, like, super slow down and where you spend time in long places and stretch it out. But I wanted to kind of make this kind of hip and, you know, speed this thing up and quick cuts. And, and I think we've got that done with uh, with the type of sport it is, who Bisbing is. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I'm just super happy about it. I just can't wait. Bisbing's a Guy Ritchie character in and of himself, yeah, right? Like, he, you could transplant him, his character, him exactly how he is into a movie, and it would be 100% believable. 100%. Fits that yes. tone, fits that style. Yeah. Well, that's where you can see, like, a Tarantino just doing it, where you just have him riff yeah. for half an hour. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, hey, let's just have you talk and tell stories, and that actually be <laughs> the scene, right? Yeah. Like, so this fucking guy, right? Fuck him, you know, fucking head kicked him. And, like, well, you just let him riff, and it would be... But it, remember in the three-hour cuts, yeah. I wanted to... I tried to forget. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but are, that, are we still watching that cut? Yeah, you'll see it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, like, that was... That's the thing. I wanted to really let people understand he's a true storyteller. Mm -hmm. And his life is full of adventure, right? Mm -hmm. And remember how he had all this these stories to tell with his. Well, he DJ. finds adventure. He yeah, you know it. what I mean. So that's why I really want I really wanted to include that, but obviously with time limits, we couldn't have everything in there. But I wanted moments of just Bisbing storytelling throughout the film. Yeah. Well, the, the the audience for it, when when you all end up seeing the film, you'll you'll notice there's a few scenes where we're in his hometown of Clitheroe and we're walking around. And we used a few of those shots, but we and a few of those stories. But we walked around that town all day, his hometown, and pretty much every street corner we we stopped on. He's like, "Oh, I got a story about this street corner, right?" Yeah, like yeah. it was just like 
he had lived such a full life before he even got into fighting, before he well, even like left that town. It's interesting. My buddy Brad, that's an actor in LA, came on to set for that day to help yeah. out. He said right afterwards, he's like, "Dude, I can tell why Bisming's getting jobs in like the acting industries. Like, you just want to hang out with the guy. Like, Brad's been on set with big actors and you know other athletes and stuff like that. But he's like." He's like, even me after being there for a couple hours, like, I want to hang out with the guy, right? I would I would pay him to be on set just to have his character, where you're almost like, I could write him in somehow to have him on set. Yeah, no, yeah. he's a guy that people write in their movies just because of who he is, for yeah. sure. So in, in terms of the interview list, I mean, we, we joke that we've got a hit list of, of stars. It's like a, an Expendables documentary, yeah. pretty much. Um, you hear everybody talking about, like, Ariel Hawani and all them joke, And did you see that joke? Every yeah, everyone's like, dude, holy, your interview list is incredible. Yeah. And Ariel was joking when he's like, yeah, I noticed, like, Joe Rogan, Mickey Rourke, Vin Diesel, no, Ariel Hawani. <laughs> and Bisping, I love without missing beats, like, oh, I told them to do that. I, like, your name was on the poster. I said, oh, get rid of his. We don't need it on there. <laughs> um, just in terms of that list, so obviously those are marquee interviews. So I want to ask a few questions, but the first is um, like, whose interview like were you surprised by? Like, you, those people are so publicized that you kind of you kind of probably have an expectation of what you're going to get because you see them in the media all the time. But was there anyone or a couple that like really shocked you in terms of their depth and their their knowledge of him or just their take on him? Well, I think my favorite interview. And he, he's not. I'll, I'll talk about the non-A-lister. But my fav, first, the my fir, favorite interview was probably Perillo. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Man. Because I mean, the guy was having beers while we were interviewing. <laughs> so just Jay, oh, Jason Perillo is is Bisbing's striking coach, and they've been longtime friends yeah. for like he's been through it all. So I just wanted to set that amazing coach too, yeah. like unreal. But coach just a and, fountain of knowledge yeah. this guy has, and he's so raw and. You know, like pulls no punches. Excuse the pun. You know, he he had, he just had so much to offer, like so many stories, and he genuinely loves Bisbing. Yeah, and you could tell that. You know, it came across in this interview. So, I, that, he was one of my favorite interviews of the A-listers. I have to say, like, and I got a first preface that you know, we never just have people in our films just because of their names you know like I hate films that do yeah, that and you can kind of see through that right yeah you know and in this film yeah there's a bunch of a-listers and you know big time um you know well-known celebrities but they all know and respect this yeah. and that's the key right you know I, I have to say you know I was a bit of a fanboy a little bit with Vin Diesel <laughs> we got to interview him in his private gym which no one, I guess, no one gets to go in there and film. We were the first. We were the first, and he had and he gave us normally with those. If I could jump in there for a bit, Hammy, where they they usually get twenty minutes with somebody like that, yeah. right, or half an hour, six hours. He brought in lunch. He's like, no, today is all yours. We we're yeah. like, we're like, okay, how quick do we have to be in? Do we have to rush yeah. the questions? And they're like, no, no, no. They're like, today, Bisbing is a celebrity, and we are your guest in this place where it was like okay then if we don't have to rush and we got all the time we want no and I yeah and he had the uh, original Fast and Furious car there yeah which is pretty badass but no I, I thought I had no idea that to the extent of their relationship and they were pretty close you know obviously meeting on Triple X and I guess not to give it away but you know Vin got the first call 
after one of uh, Bisbing's big fights after he won. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know Vin was pretty heavy in the fight world, too. And, you know, he's had a checkered past and, like, just, you know, coming up. And uh, so, was, to me, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Just being able to interview him for the film. Well, yeah, in two weeks, he was on the, you know, for the fans, you guys will see it in the movie, but the, Bisping was on the set of Triple X when he got the call to fight Rockhold. Yeah. And he was overweight because <laughs> he was on set. Had just been drinking. Had just been drinking and partying. Or his business Shocker. is like three or four extra glasses of wine. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then so Bisping literally got up in the morning and goes for a run to try to shred weight, right? And is arguing with Dana White on the phone as he's doing this to try to be like, I want pay-per-view. And they're like, you're not getting it. It's like, well, you don't have anybody else. You need me. So there's a great connection to why that's there. Like you yeah. said, it isn't just because him and Vin are friends. There was an interesting that he was on the set when that all happened and, and came to be. Yeah. Definitely. And then I think another guy that really in, moved me, I wasn't there for the day you guys did the interview, but Michael Jaw White is yeah. Yeah, spectacular. Like his whole I his whole thing when he talks about, you know, if you have three giant people in the name, if you have like Robert De Niro, Mike Tyson and some other big guy, everyone's going to want to go to Mike Tyson because that, that him being the champion of the world yeah. is just something that attracts yeah. all people to that power, right? Yeah, for sure. He was an interesting guy. He had a good, interesting kind of outlook on everything. And he's a really good martial artist himself. Yeah. Like, he's a legit badass. Yeah. He's, you know, he spars with a lot of the UFC guys. Like, he is... Like, like he's legit. not just a movie No, he's a legit... Fighter. He's a legit <laughs> badass. Like, yeah. all, the, all the guys respect him when they see him. They're like, holy fuck, he can punch, he can kick, he can move. Like, he's a legit, you know, like, I think most martial artists, same with Scott Atkins, is a great, Scott Atkins is, a, each one is a nice element, like, Scott Atkins has a nice, funny approach, and you know, with that upper British, yeah. and it, typical, we go to his house, you know, and here's this guy, like, he plays these bad guys and killers and action star, couldn't be nicer, actually, most polite, pleasant, polite, actually world. makes us British tea, and like, yeah. the <laughs> he's like, would you guys like some tea? We're like, we'd love some tea. I don't even drink Felt it. Felt bad. Like, we might have had a late night the night before. <laughs> we Maybe. Had, and we had a two-hour drive from uh, Clitheroe to Birmingham. Yeah. Stopped in to do his interview. And just like nice, white, immaculate house. He's so pleasant. Mm. We, we might smell like a little bit like a brewery. <laughs> we got her done. But we got her done. Yeah, no, that was... That I think was... like the coolest thing for me was seeing how... Just how open and quick people were to jump in and agree to do an interview for yeah. Bisping. Like, you know, it, no one wants to ask for a favor in his position, right? Like, you work your whole life to get to a position where you give people favors. You don't want to ask for them. And so, essentially, Bisping passed off the, you know, the contact list of all the people that Hammy wanted to, to interview. Just gave us their phone numbers and was like, yeah, like, reach out, like, for sure, no problem. And, you know, so we're texting these people out of the blue with, like, a couple paragraphs, just context, like, hey, like, yeah. not some crazy person, like, we're actually doing Bisping's interview, uh, documentary. And no, everyone said yes. There was not a single no. There was not a single, like, I, I think there wasn't even scheduling problems. Well, like, how long we, did it take you guys to, from the time you reached out to lock and bin down? <clears throat> that, that was that was outside of my That was still only, it's only about... To actually get it approved is only about a month. Like as soon as we got in touch with his his sister Samantha, his manager, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're like we agree. It's just about finding the time, right? When Which can you do it? When's yeah. the time, right? Yeah. Like they agreed right away. Yeah. They're like, absolutely. Vin loves Bisbing. He'll totally do it. 
um, you know, just thinking of where, and you know, at that point, we're like, we'll fly anywhere, even if he's filming in Australia. Or in like, fact, it's better if he's in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but I know because I think Hawaii they were shooting some so I was like if we have to like we prefer to be in LA cause... <laughs> yeah. and then they said hey why don't you do it right in our studio and then it, they're like oh are you guys available I remember it wasn't a ton of notice like five days or no. so yeah. like can you guys be ready for Monday and we're like yep yeah. <laughs> the we, were, always we are born ready <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah then it's like oh absolutely no problem be like hang up the phone and be like hey hammer flex, big problem boom, boom, big boom, problem boom. get everything is everybody available get it done Fuck. the weirdest interview not weirdest Great interview, but weirdest thing happened in that interview with uh, with Mickey Rourke. You weren't there. Oh, yeah, for I wasn't there. But he points. But I'm just like, you know, like typical interview that I'm thinking and taking him through some questions. And we were coming towards the end of it. I think it was, and I don't know. I just was just trying to have some fun with Mickey and blah blah blah. And I think I asked him, you know, because Mickey's a boxer. Let's set that up. Yeah, he's Mickey actually competitive. When we were interviewing, he said, "Oh, I have one more fight left," and I'm like, "You do? Like, oh, yeah. you you're like 58." Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, but he he came up boxing, and I, you know, he was a pretty good boxer. Um, but I, I asked Mickey at the end. I said, "Do you think you could uh, beat Bisping in a in a fight?" <laughs> Just you know. Yeah, you have to be fine. Yeah. And then he, Mickey paused, and then uh, next thing I know. He reaches behind him on the couch, and, I'm, and it happened quickly, but it, it felt like hours. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what's he reaching for yeah. in my head, right? Pulls out a shotgun, <laughs> cocks it. This is the only way I could beat Michael. Yeah, really. uh, and then at first I was like, like hey, yeah, that's pretty funny, Mickey. But then I'm like, where the hell did that come yeah. from? Why, why do you Betty, have a Betty, Betty Lou. And they Betty, Betty Lou. He kisses it, right? Betty Lou. I'm like, um, yeah, we're, that was just sitting there? Yeah. Like, yeah, I got him all over. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over the house. You just never know. I, I was listening to that, so I knew exactly what was happening because I had seen him put it there earlier. Oh, yeah. I, I moved some of his other guns Thanks for him. Thanks for the heads up. Man. I moved some of his other guns for him. <laughs> and I go, do you want me to move this shotgun? He's like, no, 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 leave that there. And then he grabs it, cocks it, points it at the roof, pulls the trigger. He's like, good, it's empty. And then puts it back. So I knew you were safe. I knew, I knew that you weren't going to get shot. But I was just like, the fucking balls on this guy. Oh. Just, All right, good, it's empty. Funny. And I knew I knew right away that's going to make the film. It's one of those moments eh, when you're sitting there, because I'm usually listening when you guys are interviewing, and there's certain things where you're like, well, that is a good shot of making it. That is like... Yeah. That's got you know be. certain moments. Although we have had to, as you say, sometimes you're killing babies. Sometimes those great moments don't fit into the story. And you're, you're yeah, I was, I, so without... Okay, so that's an obvious answer for like what was the most challenging part of putting this film together was probably the stuff that you had to leave out. Right? Yeah. Um, so strike that from the table. What was the second most challenging thing of, of the whole process? Not just like cutting it, but shooting. Like What, what challenges did, did you encounter and then how did you get by them you know he wants to say but he can't say I know the fucking producer the location, yeah. the location. <laughs> anybody who's listening I wanted to blow up a helicopter but <laughs> producers wouldn't let us um, we got a drone second a tree that's the best idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly um, no you know that's a good question you know yeah I would just say just outside of like I don't know if there was anything like was harder than just kind of like narrowing down his story or picking the right moments. You know, for me, it's funny because like as a filmmaker, and especially docs, you know, you can 
you know, have everything ready to go and, and write a script and know exactly how you want it to to look and put it together and that shit always changes when once you're in production or once you're shooting, you know what I mean? Everything always changes and um, I think that's the key, just like I think it went pretty smooth as far as how kinda it was envisioned and for what we got. Um because I think Bisbing is a pretty straightforward guy and his life is pretty straightforward in the sense that, you know what I mean? Like there was moments that you could really pick off in the film and that you can really hang your hat on. Um, I just felt like, yeah, there's just, he had so many elements to him that you just, you don't know what is going to make it ultimately in the end. Um, but outside of that, I, I think it went pretty smooth. Um, like Shane, you said we got pretty much everyone that we had on the yeah. list. I can't think. I don't of think one of anyone person. that we wanted that we didn't get. Yeah, no. You know we had I mean? a few that just the schedules because we wanted to do Daniel Cormier and a few other guys too. Yeah, we just yeah. couldn't get like just schedule. But they all agreed. They yeah. were like, yeah, yeah. When do you want to do it? When do you want to do it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even the having getting Dana was pretty cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. And you had a great shot of him when he's walking. That you see yeah. in the trailer when he's yeah. like storing the lights are coming. That's a cool shot. And his office was so badass, so gangster. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Dana White couldn't have been nicer to us. Right. Like, he just like so accommodating. Like gave us extra time. Like set up in his office. And that guy has no time. An hour. No, that guy is one of the busiest guys in sports. Yeah. Right. That's where it's funny when you see everybody go after him. Like as people that have all worked with the other leagues. I'm like. The UFC and Dana is some of the the most accommodating for their athletes and promotion out of any of the sports, bar none. Like, like, could you imagine? Like, I, I always picture with the NHL. Like, could you imagine Batman? Like, giving you extra time, getting him to walk, and like, this, there's no way. Not right? a chance. Yeah. He's just just no way. Like, but Dana gets I probably because Dana has an understanding that you know the UFC became the fastest growing sport in the world because of the show The Ultimate Fighter, because of their self promotion, yeah. because of those things. Like. You know, that's why now it's an interesting thing. I don't know all the details when people always say the fighters aren't taken care of enough. Mm. Because there's a lot of things that goes on where they're, you know, I know the new Reebok deal or whatever, that's not the greatest deal. But the fighters are allowed to promote themselves a lot more than other sports. Like other sports, you are like, you well, can't do much outside of. Well, it's funny you say that. Like, whether you love like him or you don't like Dana White, you, you know, he does have his fighters' best interest. And I know there's, you know, the... Is it the Jake Paul? Was it him? Yeah, that yeah. was having that kind of. Going he's still him. chirping at him. He you know, like you'll pay your player, play your fighters, blah blah blah. And I loved his response. Mm. You know, it's a free country. Start your own league. Yeah. Start your own. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. dude, that's such a great when you're someone. As independent filmmakers, we all know how hard it is to get your business running and to take care of things. So, like, that is a great point when you're. And actually, Chael Sonnen did a whole piece on this, which I thought was pretty interesting. He's like, do you know how much the UFC spends on marketing for all these fights and all these additional? He's like, we put so much into the athletes. So, so that's what I was getting to. Like, and I, hey, I don't have a dog in the fight. Mm -hmm. So like, whether you believe that the fighters don't get paid enough, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's 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 another discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they are, they go, I'd go take the Pepsi Challenge with any other league as far as promotion, marketing, <laughs> With how Dana and they have it dialed in, these it's like he has their 
the marketing dialed in. Well, and that's where, Hammy, you had to do such a great job on this. Is remember, we were looking at it, and we were like, damn, like, UFC does a good job. Like, we have to really step it up with this in order to make, like, because they're not like other sports where they just do a little clip, and, like, they fucking go deep, and they, they do a good job that you have to really... Yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah. I think that put them next to anybody else other than maybe NFL Films is a pretty good job. But, yeah, yeah. But other than that, like not even close, the promotion they put behind their athletes. And, and now you've got that institute where like anyone, if you're under the UFC, can go train there for free at any time. In and Vegas. get food, yeah, and get food and get training and get supplements and you can go, you just book your time and it's, they do a lot. Chael Sonnen brought up a lot of parts like, you know, we always think the surface and you hear the numbers and you see, and sure, I, I do agree, probably all athletes, Fighters, because they they risk so much versus other sports. When yeah. you compare them to basketball and stuff, you're like, well, man, they get nothing. I was like, I agree, but the sport is growing, right? Where And they yeah. do get a lot of other perks. So I, I, I agree with you where Dana's like, go start your own league. If it's so easy, go do another competing yeah. one, make it profitable, put yeah. all the money into marketing yeah. and promotion that we do. Best way to complain is to do something better yeah, yourself. Do, right? Yeah, crush them yeah. Crush them with success. Don't yeah. crush them with uh, yeah, negativity because you can always pick on things. We all think we know how to do the plan. Yeah, we're so, all armchair quarterback. Right? Yeah, yeah. Hammy, one thing I'm curious, like, because you've you've done a lot of stories around athletes, right? And you're an athlete yourself, national champion, not a big deal. Uh, <coughs> Has been. Uh, <laughs> but um, is he wearing the ring today? No, no I didn't see it on you. I thought you were looking a little lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Big old blingy ring. Um, no, but like. I mean, like you're, what made me think about this is you said Bisming's life is so kind of straightforward, like in terms of like his fight career. Athletes kind of have their lives so regimented, so, and you can look at an athlete's life like measured by like the success they're having. Like there's up times and there's down times. Um, so like, what have you noticed working with athletes? Um, like, do you often find a reflection of the professional success or lack thereof with their personal side of things? Like. Like when they're not having success on the field or the ice or the court, like oftentimes is there stuff going on in their personal lives that is yeah. either reflecting it or maybe being the cause of it? No, it's a great question mm -hmm. because athletes are a different breed. Fighters are even a different breed from the traditional athlete. And here's why. You know, yeah, as human beings, if I... If something negative is happening to me or positive, it's going to affect me accordingly with other parts of my life. That's just how we are wired as humans, right? It's the same with athletes. And 100%, you know, if they're feeling, if there's a negative thing going on, it's going to affect their play on the field, court, ice, octagon, ring, whatever have you. It, 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 yes, you're a professional, but you're human first, right? So it obviously affects you. The thing about these MMA guys that separates them from like NHL players, NBA players, NFL guys, any other sport, it's kind of life and death. Mm -hmm. And and I know we're not going back to the gladiators in Rome, and you know they're not actually physically getting, you know, impaled by a sword at the end of the, their bout. But you can die in that octagon. You mm -hmm. can die in that ring. You know what I mean? And I think. That way is a little bit different. It wires you a little bit different. Let's put it this way. You know, you, you, you guys have produced, you know, some hockey docs and, you know, a quite notable one, um, you know. Um, Ice Guardians. Ice Guardians. John Blanks. Um, and if you know anything about hockey fighters, they live inside their head on a daily basis, yeah. right? 
they can't sleep at night. They, they're wired differently than any other player. I think it's the same for a fighter because there's so much at stake, not only winning or losing, not only bringing that paycheck home to your family, but am I going to get seriously hurt or killed in this octagon? Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. the, it had me the so way, I think that's... I couldn't. Yeah. The way you put together that scene or the sequence in the film with Bisbing and Dan, I'm not going to reveal it. Okay. <laughs> because it, but it is one of my favorite in any films because it is such a good way to understand how damaging yeah. it is. And kudos to Bisbing. It was funny because even I, I responded to all the Twitter and you'd have a few people show the meme of that and be like, oh, you're not mentioning the Dan Henderson thing? I'm like, ah, it's right in the trailer, numb nuts. And actually, he talks about it at lengths. I don't even talk to them like that, right? But I'm like, I'm like, it's, you want I wanted to because I'm like, it's right in the trailer. trying to get I'm like, it's right in the trailer. But I was like, but that was kudos to Biz. And like, dude, even a lot like, saying yeah if you can get Rockhold to do an interview that'd be great right if you can get like that was probably the only guy he just never got back to us as we tried to get Dan Henderson to do that happened, again, right? like, yeah let's so. tell the story of Rockhold because yeah. that's oh, good we gotta give uh, a little behind the scenes taste here so yeah. we're we just finished Perillo's interview awesome interview like we're all buzzing right it's it's we're pretty pumped and we've got We've got like a few more people in the next days. Like we've got like Tito Ortiz and GSP and Bruce Buffer. And Pearl is asking us like, who else you talking to? And and um, I think like you must have asked him. You were like, hey, like do you know Rockhold or something? Well, no. Remember we were wrapping up. Not yeah. to Hijack your story, but we were wrapping up. Yeah. And Pearl either said he's coming in to train. Or right. He already started kind of wrapping up. He was he, he was starting to yeah me and Luke today. to train. And then yeah. yeah, I think you guys were in this. You're like, hey, can and Pearl's yeah, let me see what I can do. Because we we had thought about talking to him, but we're like, I don't know, like, what is this guy really gonna want to do it? And like, I don't think we had a nut biz. Because Rockhold is is Bisbing's nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Exactly. Like yeah, those are him and Dan Henderson are his nemesis. They've they've since made up. Now there's a there's. A, Hendo Biz, and Biz? No. Oh, no, Rockhold. Not those. Rockhold and yeah. them. Oh. It, well, Biz doesn't, you know, it, it, and like, understandably, the guys that got tested for using testone rep- replacement therapy, Bisming has no respect for that, right? And Yeah. Because he's like, and those that say, oh, I accidentally, like, because Biz is like, listen, I've partied and done everything under the sun. He's like, and I never got busted. So he's like, if you're getting busted for fucking testosterone, it's because you're fucking cheating. Plain and simple, right? right? Like, so, so, yeah, so Perillo ends up uh, saying, well, yeah, he's coming in to train. Uh, I can ask him if he'll do an interview. And we're like, yeah, like, shoot your shot, man. Like, let's do it, right? So we go do some other interviews. He texts me later that day and he's like, yeah, Luke said he'll do it. Like, just let, you know, here's his kind of window tomorrow if you guys can do it. And you got something to add? No, I think, remember it was, uh, it was happening that same day. Was it that day? I mean, you guys had to adjust last minute. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Because yeah, right. remember, remember, he was going to meet his some people at that chicken spot, yeah. and we we're like, "Oh yeah, we haven't had lunch yet." And he took. I remember he he took forever, knowing that we're waiting. I was for him. I was waiting in the restaurant, <laughs> like like twenty feet back from the table. He's, he's with like ten friends, and, and we're I was like, just like, "Damn, dude, let's." But, go. Oh, because we had Tito later than the day. That's yeah. what it was, right? Yeah. So anyway, he says yes. We meet up with him at the spot to pick him up. He gets in the car with me. And I think you might have been in the car too. I don't remember. And he goes, you guys know I'm not going to sugarcoat this, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, of course not. Like, good. Like, no, this is like, Luke, this is your chance to tell your side of the story. Obviously, like, Bisping is the star of the doc. But, like, so he's going to have his say. But, like, this is your chance. So, like, we want to give you that piece as well. He's like, I don't fucking like the guy. 
He's yeah. like, I'm not sugarcoating this. And we're like, inside, I'm like, fucking right, so let's go. This yeah. is going to be amazing. Right. Yeah. And then the interview is so, like, perfect. Because yeah. he does, he explains his side of things. Yeah. And, and, and I think it comes out really balanced. But his just whole demeanor throughout the process was hilarious. Because, like, he had the mic pack on. He's sitting on a chair. And then I think, like, the last question just kind of irked him or something. He was just kind of like, fuck this. And he's like, all right, I'm done. done. Stands up, walks out of frame, and the mic pack is dragging behind him and hits the floor. Like, I I couldn't contain myself. I was like, that's... That's it. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's in the film, right? The, the, I, the, there's the a mic. The mic yeah, 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 yeah. It's in there. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. He <laughs> yeah when he leaves. Yeah, when he leaves. For me, I've always like. It was important for me to get him. Yeah. Well, I couldn't and picture like, the film without him. I almost him, no. feel like he was more important than like some of our A-listers. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And because I, if it was just a random guy that maybe Biz and him, you know, that didn't like each other, probably who cares, right? Mm-hmm. But this was an this was an iconic nemesis of Biz being. They didn't like each other. It was genuine. They did not like each other. So it was important to me to to hear from this guy. Like, yeah. why? Like, what's irking you so much, dude? Like, convey this to us. And yeah. he did right. And and I think that was important to kind of show people the other side of it. And uh, yeah, he was he was didn't <laughs> hold too many punches. And he said, you know what? I respect Biz being. But me and him will never have a beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I. No matter what went on with the, I respect the hell out of Luke Rockhold for totally. for, for agreeing to do yeah. it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like that transcends your squabble, your personal shit with someone. That's like, hey, as combatants and like partners in the fight game, like it's my duty to kind of do this. And so like, I, it would have been cool to bring them both together. Yeah. And so no, wait, well, behind this door, we've got your friend, <laughs> Michael Bisping. Yeah. Well, they've actually, they've actually since then, since, because I know Bisping text him to be like, hey, like I do appreciate you doing that. Like, thank you. Oh, and, so he did have his number. Yeah. No, no, no you he got it from Prillo. Oh. But then they were, but then they were training. It was on Bisping's Instagram. They were training and they were kind of both hitting the pad and doing things and, you know, Biz is like, oh, come on, Luke. We're going to hug after and have a yeah. beer. Come on. And Luke's kind of like, Biz, like, yeah, he's training still with re- you, but like, enough, man, enough. Like, Don't you guys remember, I don't think it made the film, but I, I remember I asked Luke at the end, I said, is there anything that you want to oh, say really? to Biz me right now? He's like, yeah. I want to fight him again. Yeah, yeah you can fight me again. Yeah. You can fight yeah. me again. Yeah. Trilogies yeah. exist for yeah. a reason. Yeah. Come out of retirement. I want to fight I, you. But that was before Bisming's eye was known right was right. known yeah so because that was supposed to be a reveal for the film yeah. but then he did it on his podcast yeah <laughs> it was a year and a half ago yeah so. it was uh, totally fair but so yeah. let's talk about the eye thing okay mm-hmm. hammy set up the eye thing uh like how it happened or just the reveal no no just the, like because everyone kind of knew bisbing's got like yeah. his eyes something a little funky ever whatever but like when did you find out like it's straight up like his eye is dead and it's a prosthetic well spoiler like i mentioned the um, way back before this project came to be, I, I heard you know it, it's a fighter with one eye. Never before has this happened, which it hasn't, still hasn't happened. That a fighter with one eye is competing in boxing or MMA or anything like that. No champion in no any champion, sport. Anything. Um, the first, so I kind of knew about this eye, but you know, like, oh, maybe he's got a, a scratched retina yeah, or yeah. something like that. Like I didn't know what. Until he pulled out his eyeball and it's showed like a rubber us, prosthetic yeah, showed us, I was like, "Holy fuck! 
what the hell? Yeah. And I've said this on some of these interviews is like, I never really understood. And you'll see in the film, uh, just if you, you have to watch it to understand the shit he went through with the eye. Like, that was crazy. You know, like, and not just like surgical procedures, but just shit that he had to dodge and duck and jive and, and uh, twist and turn to stay fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no idea about that. That was all kind of revealed as I was researching and doing this doc. So it's a pretty special moment in the film. And it's just like, but it just, it goes to show you what this guy was willing to do to, uh, 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 get him and his family to a better place. And it's always about that. Yeah. Well, that's, not, not if, you, if you remember, Hammy, sort of take off the chain, but actually, the first time he revealed the eye was before he got his prosthetic, is when we met him for that recording meeting and he took his sunglasses off. And remember, at that time, oh, he still yeah, used, to, he he used to wear contact so that he could fight. Because at that point, he still wasn't sure. He was still contemplating on maybe doing the trilogy with Rockwell for right. big. And we were thinking about maybe being around to capture that, right? But then. He clearly, then he had the other, you know, uh, the vitreous, like, detach, detach and his other eye, and he's like, okay, hey, I'm done. But wasn't that when he had a contact? He had a contact. had that scheme, like, if yeah. my contact's over here. Yeah, double taps, do this, because that, because you couldn't have a prosthetic in with you fight, because if it got smashed, right, like, it could get more damage. So he had, and I remember listening to Rogan, and you'd hear about it, and you could see it in photos, like, his one eye looked really sunken back. And I remember being like, man, his eye looks brutal these yeah. days. Even with the contact in. Yeah. And remember, he would get on movies. and be like, could you do something about your eye? Because, like, his they contact. Well, because his eye would, like, yeah. roll. And he'd well, because like, it also kind of turned in a little bit. Yeah. Like, it wasn't straight yeah. like it is and it now. Would, and it's sunken back a little bit, too, right? Like, the prosthetic actually pushes it out. Like, because yeah. that day when he lunch, he took it off, and he looked like the guy from Casino Royale. It was just, like, white. Yeah. Right? It was yeah, just a... Creepy. And I remember being, he's like, oh, yeah, it's completely... Because there was some, he put that out there in order to keep fighting. As he said, oh yeah, I've got some pressure. I have to put oil in it once yeah. a month or yeah, something. Because yeah. Joe Rogan was going to say, man, that crazy motherfucker puts oil in his eye and keeps yeah. fighting. And yeah. I remember like, what? Oil yeah. in your eye? What? So when we asked him, like, Biz, what does it really happen? He's like, no. And he took it off. And he's like, I had this contact that was weighted. But because you couldn't see, like, you know, I had weighted contacts before I got my eyes fixed. And, you, you know, you could tell when it's out and you kind of turn it till it focused, right? Yeah. But when you can't see... It would drop out of place, and people were like, "Whoa, something's going!" And that's when Perillo and all them would have code words and like tap them, yeah. so he'd go correct it, right? And I can't, I can't believe he hasn't been cast as a villain in a, you know, in a <laughs> movie where that eyes out, because like, yeah. it looks freaking creepy. Yeah. You know? I do remember how excited he was because we went like the third time to meet him. He was like, "Oh, look, look, my eye." We're like, "Yeah, we're gonna say it looks great," because then he got and that prosthetic, like you, we, that shot we have is so good. It's even got, got the, the veins. veins, and he's got he's got like little red dots in the blue of his yeah. eye that are in the yeah, even had those in there it's pretty pretty spectacular how well they make that thing I, dude listen I don't know how he does it how he did it cause I'm right now like I'm fight I need glasses and I'm fighting it like it it's an everyday kinda you know like it, it, I, I feel it everyday where my eyes are just not the way they used to be and that bugs the shit out of me and it kind of worries me right because your eyes are your eyes that's yeah I couldn't even imagine what he was going through what he had to go through and how and how crazy is that I explained to people about how he explained how his brain with the depth perception right where yeah and that's why if you watch the Rockhold fight 
at first he's like I'm fucking swinging to try to get the motherfucker out and he's missing by like four feet he's not even close and people probably think like yeah, dude get in the gym like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like and Rockwell kind of steps aside he's like whoa dude you're missing by like yeah. a mile yeah. right because Bisping said he's like until I touched him then it was crazy how great the brain works then my mind could be like okay my distance is there yeah. but until the beginning of a fight that's tough like no one's going to let you just come touch their shoulder yeah. and but, figure out where they but are but that's right? even crazy on its on itself like because the fighter's not going to stay in that one position. Yeah, yeah. He's moving every second. He's moving. You know what I mean? So the, to always kind of have that wherewithal where your opponent is. Yeah. And to crazy. catch him the way he did. Yeah, like it dude. really, like watching it now and you, you see it in the film. Like I know I know tomorrow I'm going to get emotional. I always get emotional these because it's like, you know, it's like your baby. We look like from concept to delivery has been almost four years, right? Like yeah. you with, now there's been COVID and a lot of things have slowed that down, but it is so special when you get to watch it with an audience and we've all traveled here to the UK and Bisming are doing the Q&A and then you go through and see the emotions that roller coaster of the film. Yeah. I, I, I know. So don't be, I'll be hiding in the back to we make it. I'm glad I'm not doing the Q&A because then if I'm crying, no one can see then yeah. Bisming has to go up there. It's not yeah. me. Well, he couldn't have had a better coach in Perillo because Perillo had to stop professionally boxing because he yeah. lost Love his eye, that, right? Yeah. Like, so they know. So he, well, in Perillo, terms of str- strategizing and like Perillo knew yeah, exactly he, what he was exactly. going through. Well, I'm giving spoiler that one quote when he goes, he's like, this fucking guy right here, yeah. he ain't fucking quitting. He's like, this guy, he's like, he's... He, he's like the Terminator. He, no, he's like fuck. I could see by the determination in his eyes that he well, wasn't. And he's, and he's only got one of them, right? And he was like, yeah. No, like, I'm. I, for me, we all, but I think for me, I've seen it a little bit more than you guys because I live with it so many years. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it so many times. But I'm actually excited to see it on the big screen. Yeah. yeah you know definitely. what I mean? And, just and with an audience. With an audience. Yeah. And hopefully they laugh at the right moments. Yeah. And they, you know, they feel. Don't worry, we paid a few people in the crowd to just yeah. laugh at the right laugh moments. Yeah. Laugh. We got laughers in there for you. Well, yeah, guys, this is going to be awesome. And uh, we're almost at the hour mark, so we can wrap it up. Um, but, yeah, I know we've all put, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this thing for a long time. So it's going to be cool to see it. And. You know, it's. I think it's one of those things. Like as it comes out, as it releases, people are gonna start tweeting and, and mentioning it more, and hopefully, it just blows up, right? Like it's one of those like true like su- like superhero stories where you just like you come from almost nothing, you battle your way, you miss a couple chances, but you keep going, and ultimately end up you know a huge success and and reach kind of the pinnacle of your wildest dreams. And I can't think of a more deserving guy than Bisbing to to have gone through that and to get where he is now I couldn't agree like somebody wrote in one of the pieces that have come out the media pieces recently and I know I said this earlier in the podcast but to me just simply they said you know from one of the most hated villains in MMA when he first started because he was one of the first like before Connor and Chael Sonnen really kind of brought that in and now you got Colby Covington like Bisping was the first kind of trap but he was authentic mm-hmm. right his was just good wit like Chael put on a persona Colby Covington put on a persona Connor was bigger than life but Bisping was that first guy yeah. that was witty in your face like a cocky Brit but backed it up all the time you know to being now one of the most beloved darlings in the UFC like I, I saw all the Twitter messages reading so many of them like dude I used to hate you now I love you <laughs> like you know, I, I agree with you, Shane. I don't think it could happen to a more deserving guy. And he truly is, you know, you could say whatever about different champions. Nobody, I put this, has the, the, the charisma, the charm, the wit, and the true determination of, like, the hero's journey to getting that title where, 
Nobody but his family and Perillo thought that he could win that when he went against Rockhold. He was like a six to one underdog. Rockhold thought it was going to be, he was going to steamroll him in the first round again. The world thought, I remember when I heard and I watched that fight and Bisping got him, I was like, no yeah. way. Well, that's just true Bisping uh, fashion. fashion, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, and that's true underdog story, which yeah. is the, uh, the, the theme and the, of this whole film. And, uh, you know, like I said, I talked to Bisping earlier today, and I said this to him, and I really believe it. Like, I'm super excited tomorrow for him. Yeah. You know, and for him to premiere, be the world premiere on the big screen in his home freaking country, you know. Where he started his training here in Manchester, where he slept in his know? car because yeah. he didn't have money, while like, Rebecca worked two jobs and was pregnant yeah, with. Yeah, like if anyone would have no. told him, like, growing up, clearly, like, hey, one day. There's going to be a feature documentary on the big screen about your life. Not a chance to even believe it. Right, me. yeah. So I, I, I'm tickled for him, and I hope, you know, the film does well. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for all of us here because we put in a lot of work. And, uh, yeah, let's take down Notorious. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think that's a good note to end on. All right, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thanks again. See ya.